0: Well, good morning. That spring forward video got you, didn't it? Just brought you right in, and then boom, spring forward. Now, we're in this series right now called Strongholds. It's interesting to think about strongholds and to think about the the power that they have over our lives, the power that they have um, in in our homes, in our workplaces, in our community, I mean, across our nation— and when I think about this idea of strongholds, one of the things that comes to my mind is this is like throughout the years, we have read throughout history of moments where individuals tried to create strongholds, strongholds of power, strongholds of taking over other countries and the nations. In fact, I, I love history. I'm one of those individuals who loves just digging into history and, and loves looking at just... The, Um, just different moments throughout our history. In fact, if it's a movie that has action in it and history, like I'm all in. I'm all in in those type of moments. And I was just doing a little bit of research and kind of bringing up some some of my memory on this idea of of when Adolf Hitler was in power. Here we have this guy who thinks that the German race is, is is the superior race to all mankind. And his goal and his, his one thing that he's trying to do is, is to wipe out anyone else who he would consider inferior. Anyone else who, who he would consider someone that would be outside of his idea of, of what a strong man or woman would be. You see that for him, he, he goes throughout all these different countries trying to take over from Poland to Denmark to, to Norway to Belgium to the Netherlands to France. And his quest was really simple destroy those things that would stand in the path of me creating a stronghold. He wanted life to look a certain way, to be a certain way. And the people who were in his path really didn't have a choice as to what that would look like. When I hear of those moments and you begin to hear the stories of the Holocaust and different things, there's this one thought that has always struck me throughout the years, and it's been this. How could people stand by and watch this man create strongholds around the world, around these countries, and allow the, the horrific actions that he took and, and ways of killing people, all that, like you look at that and you go, how could people stand by and watch that happen? In many ways, you can even look back to, to us history and see moments where we knew of certain things taking place, but what we would say is things like this. That's not my war. That's not my battle. That's not my area that I struggle with. But the thing I want to talk to you about today, this stronghold that we're going to talk about, I think has affected many of us in a lot of different ways. In some of us, our responses is, is much like that of the US in the earlier years of World War II. And our response was more like, oh, we see it happening, but that's not my war. Until all of a sudden that war is taken to your front until that war comes into your home, until that war comes into your family, until that war comes into your community. Today I wanna talk about addictions. Because it's a war that I think easily we could stand back and we could watch unfold around us and say that's not my war, that's not my battle, that's not my thing, and we can look at the horrific things that happen through addictions in people's lives And we can say, man, that's crazy. I'm glad that's not my family. I'm glad that's not my marriage. And yet those things are unfolding in our workplaces, and our schools. We're seeing horrific things happening around us. And the question I have for us as a church is when will we wake up? When will we begin to realize that there are things that the enemy is using in the lives of individuals and we have the answer. We have the hope. We have Jesus Christ that changes and sets people free. We have Jesus Christ that can can speak to a lame man and he can walk again. We have Jesus Christ, that same God living inside of us to where we can speak to someone who's bound by addictions and we can say, listen, I have the answer for you. I'm not saying that programs out there that help people through their addictions aren't bad or aren't good. But what I am saying is there is one program that has always stood the test of time that has been all about setting people free from addictions in life, and that is a relationship with Jesus. It's what 2 Corinthians chapter 10 speaks of. It says, for though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. For the weapons we fight with are not the weapons of this world. Now think about that for a moment. We do not wage war like the world does. But it says this, on the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. Hold that slide there for a minute. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish what? Strongholds. Listen, if our weapons are not like this world, they're not like all the programs that are out there, they're not like those things, then then what do they do? Well, the scriptures tell us what they do. They have divine power to demolish strongholds. Things that have been strongholds in people's lives, things that have been generationally passed on from person to person, there are things that are, are continuing to happen in people's lives. It goes on to say this, we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge so it's pretending it's it's things that set themselves out to say no 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 not that addiction no not that area of life no no that can't be set free no no that's a different set of tools no no no. the beauty is is the gospel is a set of tools that applies in every circumstances it's good news it changes everything and the only thing you have to know in order to use the tools is Jesus Listen, you don't have to have it all figured out. You don't have to be able to argue against every argument that comes. Just tell people, listen, my life has been changed by Jesus. He set me free. I don't know how it works, but I know that he did it, and that's, that's it. Don't get into all these arguments against it because here's the thing. People who don't have the knowledge of Christ until they experience it aren't gonna fully understand it. And that's why it says, pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and then it says this, so take captive, take captive. There there is this responsibility that you and I have. You can't just let your mind run at, you just crazy. We talked about that last week. Take captive the lies that are out there. Take captive every thought and do what? Make it obedient to Christ. Obedient to Christ. Strongholds, by definition, and we talked about this last week, but let me share it again, is, is a prisoner locked by deception. Are you a prisoner locked by deception? You see, it's interesting what addictions do to us, isn't it? They lock us in. They begin to feed us lies. They begin to say that this is who you are and they lock us in to this deception. And it goes on to define, we'll define it by this, living a life by something that is not true. I look around our culture and I see people who are living lives that are not true. They're living lives that are filled with strongholds of addiction. An addiction would be this, it would be anything that I crave and I can't stop doing. Think about that, anything you crave and you can't stop doing. Now we're not talking about just bad things. See, a lot of us immediately think an addiction is something that's bad, quote unquote, for you. So so some people would say, well, drugs. Drug addiction is bad. Most people would agree that drug addiction is bad, right? Like, I don't know too many people are like, no, it's good, like heroin is a good thing. No, no, we don't, we don't see that normally. Most people would say that stronghold is bad. And so what a lot of us do is immediately when you hear the word strongholds of addiction, you immediately go, oh, I don't got none of those. Like, I don't have a drug problem. I, I, don't, I, I don't have an alcohol problem, I, I don't have a you know, whatever it may be problem, but here's what I, let me, let me just list some things that could be an addiction in your life. It's anything, remember, that you crave and that you can't stop doing. Here we go, caffeine. Some of you have a caffeine addiction. I may be in those ranks. A caffeine addiction. Here we go, food, food addiction. I don't turn sideways because you'll see my food addiction. <laughs> Shopping addiction, uh-oh, some ladies are like, now honey, don't you listen to him. <laughs> I mean, you listen other times, but not now. Social media addiction, hmm, some of you, men like, you take your phone everywhere with you. Like you're sitting there in the shower in the morning texting. Can't get my phone wet. Some of you you bought waterproof phones just so you could scroll through Facebook in the middle of the shower. Like you are addicted to social media. Maybe for some of you it's it is smoking. You're addicted to it. You crave it. You you can't live without it. Maybe it's spending. Maybe it's your appearance, like working out, like, like you're so caught up in your appearance. Maybe, maybe it's alcohol. Maybe it's sports. Maybe like, like you cannot, like you're literally like, I come to the nine o'clock gathering because I got to be home to watch football. You are addicted to the sports. I'm not saying you can't watch football, but you, like you're addicted. You know you are. Because when your wife comes in and she's like, honey, can you help me with this? You're like, what? How dare you interrupt me? I'm in the middle of a game. The lions are actually winning. It's a miracle. (laughs) No, that was a daydream. (laughs) Maybe it's drugs that you have an addiction to. Maybe, here, here we go, maybe it's video games or computer games. Man, that is a real problem across our society. People who are addicted to video games. My boys may be addicted to video games. There's some game called Fortnite or something like that. See? See? Some people some people are addicted right there. That was an addiction moment. They were like, oh! <laughs> Come on. Could be a stronghold. It's crazy because that game was, they gave it out free. So anyone can, you can download it. But then there's all these other ways that you can advance in the game that costs money. So they were brilliant because they're like college campuses. I, I had a, a college student last night. I had seen him at the LCS auction. He came to me. He was Pastor Brian. We were talking stuff. And he's like, oh, man. He's like, like in our dorms, like seriously, all across the whole dorm room. Like everyone's playing Fortnite. Like everyone's playing it. And all I'm thinking in my mind is that's a lot of money. And that's a lot of games that are being played. There may be some addictions there. Maybe you're addicted to work. Maybe for you, you're like, man, like I've got to get my fix from work. (laughs) Some of you are like, I'd like to get a fix from vacation, like fix of vacations, but some of you are addicted to work. Some of us are addicted to our hobbies. And the list could go on and on of things that we could be addicted to. But remember, the, the definition that we're saying of addiction is, is anything that I crave and I can't stop doing it. Did a little research on addictions and was reading all these different articles and things on addictions and, and various addictions that are out there, but one of the things that kept coming up was this inability to consistently abstain. See, some of us, you, you look and you go, it's not an addiction, Pastor Brian, because I can abstain from it. But the question isn't, can you abstain from it for a few days? It's, can you consistently abstain from it? Because there are a lot of things that we can stop doing for a short period of time, and we all oh, see, it's not an addiction. But then you're right back to it. We're right back into those moments, and that's what an addiction is. It's this inability to consistently abstain. It's a craving. And it, what it does is it creates this dysfunctional, emotional response when we don't have it. Like, have you ever seen somebody who's pulled from that addiction and the way they respond? And you go, what? Like that, That's not an appropriate response to that moment. Well, that's because it's an addiction and their emotions are so connected to that thing that you got young people crying. I I don't know if you ever saw the video online where the young boy had been playing video games all the time and so his dad went outside and put all of the video games out in the grass and took a lawnmower over the video games and the dad like, was trying to prove a point, you are, you're, not, you're gonna get a job, you're gonna do all these different things, and the dad had had it, put it all out there, and the kid is out there, and they have it all on video. It was the awesomest thing, because this kid is just like, no, no, I mean it was, it was awesome, and he was just, his emotional response to that moment was crazy. It was, it showed the addiction that he had in his life. Paul, in the scriptures, actually talks about addictions and talks about struggles that he himself has. In Romans chapter seven, verse 21, it says this, so I find it to be a law, but when I want to do right, evil lies close at hand. Now just think about this for a minute. When I want to do right, I have this desire to do right, But yet there's evil that's lying close at hand. It's it's right there. It's like like this addiction. He goes on to say, For I delight in the law of God in my inner being. He's like, inside of me, I, I love the law. I love the law of God. I love a relationship with God. But then he says, But I see in my members another law waging war. This addiction, this thing that's waging war against the law of what? My mind and making me captive to the law of sin that dwells in my members. These things that I'm addicted to, these things that I'm, I'm struggling with. And look what Paul says then at the end of it. He says, wretched man that I am. Even Paul himself talks about addictions and struggles and things that are waging inside of him, things that he's struggling with. And we can identify with that because inside of us there's this inner law that says, no, I want to please God. But then the members of our body, our mind, our actions, many times are doing things that we know are evil, things that we know are wrong. And then we get to the place like Paul gets to and we say, wretched man am I. And the thing that I love about this idea is that, so many times we feel like we are labeled by our addiction. We're labeled by this stronghold. Think about this, strongholds of addiction. Some strongholds of addiction. Maybe, maybe here are some labels of addiction. I, I have with me up here a can to help illustrate this. It's a can of pineapple tidbits. Now, based on this label that's on here, we would say this is what? It's pineapple. It's pineapple. Here it's pineapple. I didn't change it. It really is pineapple. The labels are on there. This is pineapple. You can look at it. I mean, like you can hear it in there, there's a lot of juice. It's pineapple in fact when this was created it was created to hold pineapples it is pineapples when you go to the store you you buy something off the shelf you read the label to know what it is right but what happens many times with addictions in our lives is that the enemy comes in and he wants to relabel us He comes in and says, no, 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 that's not who you are. You're, you're not a pineapple. You're actually something completely different. And sometimes the way that starts off is, is he comes in and he says, hey, listen, like you're like applesauce. So the enemy comes in and he says, hey, no, no, this is, this is really, this is really who you are. So what is this now? Wait a minute, that's not what it says. Says essential kitchen essentials applesauce. Come on, what is this in here? It's a pineapple. Are you sure it's pineapples? Why why would you say it's pineapples? I mean it's not labeled pineapples. See, here's what happens. Addictions come in our lives, and people say, No, you're your addiction. And they try to label you they try to come in and say no you're the addiction of your life so so you can go through it in all these different ways maybe here we go you're a little fruity you're a fruit cocktail now come on some of you are like I am a little fruity is this fruit cocktail now is there's a? are those little yummy red cherries that who knows what they really are but they taste so good in fruit cocktail are they inside of there no they're not. It don't matter what I label this. It's still what? A pineapple. Because why? Because that's what it was created for. That was the intention of it. But here's what happens sometimes. Sometimes the enemy comes in and says, no, no, this stronghold really does have a stronghold over your life. And he comes in and he says, no, no, let's, let's completely change your label. And so the enemy comes in and he, he then goes in and takes your label completely off. And now, you find yourself like this. The label's gone, and you look at it and you go, what is it now? What is it? Pineapple. Even though the label's not there, it's still pineapple. Listen, this is not a trick question, guys. I'm not gonna magically make something else come out, okay? This is straightforward, like, as easy as it gets. This is pineapple, okay? Pineapple. But the label's gone. Sometimes addictions strip our identity. Sometimes addictions strip the identity that God has spoken over us. And sometimes that's what happens: is is that this label of my addiction is is it, it becomes my identity? All of a sudden, now we're identified with with our well, with our labels. So some of us, we can look at things and we can be like, no, we're really man-witch. Who even eats this stuff? Man-witch. We're man-witch. That's what we are. We're we're our label. It becomes our identity. Our label of our addiction becomes our identity. And here's the thing. What happens is, is these labels come upon us and it becomes our identity. But here's another one. It's, it's this identity of, like, I've tried to quit, but now I fail and I'm hopeless. So we feel like a failure. We feel like, we feel hopeless, and the identity then just kinda begins to stack on top of it. So now we're not only, we're not just a, an identity problem, now we're, we're a man witch with some mandarin oranges. Our addiction causes us to feel hopeless. It causes us to feel like a failure. It causes us to begin wondering, like, where am I at in all of this? And what happens is, is along the way, we begin to identify with our label. We begin to identify with our addiction. I'm just a smoker. I'm just an alcoholic. I'm just this. We begin to identify with these things. And I I know 12-step programs out there are always saying, you know, like, the first thing is just to identify who you are. But can I just tell you something? In Jesus and in his kingdom, he identifies you one way. You're never identified by your addiction. Yeah, that's something you've done. That's somewhere you've been. That's not who you are. It's not who God says you are. That's not the label he says. It doesn't matter what other people put on you. It doesn't matter what other people say about you. You're not that label. And so you and I have to understand is that, is that we don't have to know, and this is what happens. People go, stop threatening me. I'm my label. Because what they do is they struggle so much with the addiction that when we come to them and say, listen, I... I think you may be addicted to video games. They go, I'm not. I'm not. And they feel threatened, right? Have you ever seen that? This ear, like this just weird emotional response. And you're like, dude, what is the deal? They feel like you're threatening the label that they've been buying into. Stop threatening me. Stop threatening my label. But what happens is, is even when the labels keep getting piled on, you can feel like you're losing everything. Chef Boy O'Dee right here, beef ravioli. Some of you are like, ooh, I love that. Some of you are like, "Uh uh-uh. In fact, if you were to eat beef ravioli like this out of this can, you would lose everything. Sometimes, isn't that how we feel in the middle of our addictions? We feel like we're losing everything. It's like our addiction becomes our identity. Our addiction causes us to fail and to feel hopeless. Our our addiction begins to cause us to be like, stop threatening me, stay away from me, I don't need your help. And then all of a sudden when we push away the people who are trying to help us, this label becomes us and all of a sudden we start going, I'm losing everything. And then we feel like it's just too late. We feel like it's too much. Like, I can't do it anymore. I I feel like I'm losing everything. And we then begin to accept the label that our addiction is placing on us. And then what normally happens, and I've seen this time and time again in people's lives, is this last label, they just say, okay, just one more time. J- just one more time. That, this, just this one more time, I'll do this, and, and just one more time. It's not, it's not that big of a deal. And uh, so we, we go ahead and we grab another label, and we place it on, and we just, start, we just start saying it's just not that big of a deal, and we have all these labels on inside of it. And let me ask a question to you real quick. What is this in this can? Pineapple. Pineapple. Listen, it don't matter the label's not on it right now. It's still pineapple. You still look down inside of that can. If we were to crack that puppy open, guess what would be in the middle of it? Pineapple. Pineapple would come out of that can because that can is filled with pineapple. Listen, you are not your addiction. You're not your addiction. You're not what the enemy and the world has tried to label you. Listen, there could be a, a thousand labels on your life, but you are not that. You are not identified as that. And what you and I have to do is we've got to look to the scriptures and say, okay, so God, if your word tells us this, if your word tells us in there that that we can do right, and even Paul says that that there's this law that's waging inside of him, then God, would you please help me? If we continue to read there in Romans chapter seven and verse 24, and, and I'm gonna switch to the message translation because I just love the way this reads. It says, I've tried everything and nothing helps. Ever been there in addiction? You're like, I've tried everything, but nothing helps. I'm at the end of my rope. There's no one that can do anything for me. And then he says this, he says, isn't that the real question? Like that I feel trapped inside. I, I feel like I'm, I'm stuck. I feel like my label has been identifying me for too long and I, and I don't even really know who I am. I feel like I'm at the end of my rope. But then he says this, he says, the answer though is, thank God is that Jesus Christ can and does. Like Jesus Christ can and does give new labels. Jesus Christ can and does set people free. He goes on to say this. He says, he acted to set things right in his life of contradictions where I want to serve God with all my heart and my mind. So Paul is continuing to say there's this war that's waging inside of me. There's these struggles that I'm having. See, some of us, the enemy comes and he lies to you and says, see, those addictions are who you are. And the whole time, God's saying, no, no, listen, you've gotten victory over that addiction. You've actually gotten victory over that area in your life, but the enemy just keeps coming in, and he keeps saying, no, that's who you are, because if you were different, you wouldn't have these contradictions inside of you. But that's a lie. He goes on to say this. He says, but I'm pulled by the influence of sin to do something totally different. Listen, we all will struggle with the influence of sin pulling at us, the influence of sin saying, no, come over here and be this. But like Galatians chapter 5 says, it says this, So I walk in the Spirit, and you will not then, what? Gratify the desires of the flesh. Listen, there's always going to be these internal battles. There's always going to be these things that we're going to be struggling through. But the Scriptures tell us if we'll walk in the Spirit, then what will happen is, is we'll say no to the labels that our addictions are trying to place on us. It goes on to say, for the flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit. Oh, so there is this thing inside of me that's desiring things that I know are not of God like Paul was talking about. It says this, in the spirit what is contrary to the flesh. There's this battle, remember that we are even speaking of in 2 Corinthians, for our battle is not against flesh and blood. We're not waging war with the weapons of this world. No, our, our weapons are different. It goes on to say this in Galatians, they are in conflict with each other so that you are not to do whatever you want. There is this battle. But the enemy loves to label you. This is who you are. This is your label. He tries to cut away at the identity that Christ has called over our lives. He strips us down takes things away from us. And we begin to identify with with different addictions in our lives. Maybe for you, you've been identifying with alcohol. And your struggle has been in that area of your life. You're like, that's just who I am. It's always been a struggle for me. It's just always going to be. You don't understand, Pastor Brian. My my father was an alcoholic. His father was an alcoholic. It's It's just our vice. Can I just say, no, that's just your label. That's all that is. It's a label that the world has tried to put on you. But what happens is the enemy comes in and condemns us. But Romans 8 chapter one says there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus our Lord. No condemnation. You've been bought, the price has been paid for you to be exactly who God has called you to be. For the law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ from the law of sin and death. But what happens is as we begin to idolize these various things in our lives, these labels, we, we identify and idolize them. Now, here, here's what I'll say, idolatry is this, and the scriptures talk about it. It says, idolatry is anything that we allowed to sit on the throne of our hearts other than God. And let that sink in for a minute. Some of us, the problem isn't necessarily something that we look at and we go, oh, well, I have these labels in my life, these addictions. Maybe you didn't even identify with the list I gave earlier but you've allowed something else to sit on the throne room of our hearts other than God. And what happens is is that becomes idolatry in our lives. Good things. Some of you, your spouse sits on the throne room of your heart other than God. And can I just say that's wrong? The the reason why in the Ten Commandments the Scripture tells us, Thou shall have no other gods before me, is this, is because you and I are instructed to put only one on the throne, and that's God. Anytime we put anything else, whether good intention or not, on the throne of our hearts, then that is idolatry. And idolatry can easily become a label. I'm just a family man. I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm the greatest husband ever. And you can actually begin to idolize something that God actually wants you to be, but you have put on the throne room of your heart other than God. And now it has become an idol. You see, we're always slave to what we allow to be on the throne of God in our hearts. Think about that for a minute. Whatever you've allowed in your heart to be on the throne of your heart, think about it, you've probably become slave to it. That's what addictions do. Addictions cause you to have the slavery mindset where you feel like you're in slavery to those very things. So what do we do? Let me share three simple points in today's message. First is this, is put God first. Put God first. I, I know for some of you you're like, well duh, Pastor Brian, that's simple. Well is it? Is it simple to put God first? First Peter 3 15 says this, but in your hearts set apart Christ as Lord. Listen, you and I are called to set apart Christ as Lord. We're, we're to put him first in our lives. It is a conscious action of putting God first. And here's the beauty, is that when you put God first, what happens is, is, is you give God the first of everything. When you, when you give God the first of everything, everything else begins to fall right into place. All of a sudden, when you give God the first of your day, other things start falling into place. That's why we encourage you to soap in the morning. Because here's what happens, and I, I fall, I, I, I wish I could say every day I soap, but there are days where I don't, and here's the reason why. It's because I didn't give it to him first. I didn't get up in the morning and do it first, and the day just took over, and all of a sudden I'm busy doing the work of ministry, and yet haven't spent time with God personally. I mean, did great things, helped people, counseled people, worked on my message, all these various things, But you know, you can say, man, that was really great, but I didn't put God first in the day, and what happens is, is distance begins to creep in because I'm not giving him the first. It's why in your finances, give God first. I'm telling you, if you'll give God first in your finances, God will take care of the rest, he blesses the rest. Give him the first of your time, give him the first of your money, give him the first of your thoughts, give him the first of everything i was listening to a pastor a while back he said every morning when i wake up he goes and without fail he says for 30 something years this is what i've been doing i literally wake up in the morning and i say hey god thanks for giving me a great day he says every morning the first thing i acknowledge is not i gotta go to the bathroom it's not my spouse laying in bed it's not oh my goodness it's early Oh my goodness, I got to sleep in. He says, the first thing I do every morning, he goes, and it's become a discipline in my life, is I say, hey God, man, thanks for a great day. He's like, I acknowledge God with my thoughts, with my mind, everything. He goes, I give God first. The second is this, is say no to the flesh. See, this is hard because our labels want to say, no, this is who you are. So you, different labels come in life, different things that we become addicted to. And they, they try to say, no, 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 you, you're spaghetti sauce when you're really pineapple. All these different labels that keep coming in, but, and it feels like it, you're like, no, that's who I am, but no, it's not. That's just what somebody else has been saying. That's what your flesh has been saying for quite some time. Some of us just need to practice this. So here's what I wanna do. I wanna help you out this morning. Here we go. I, I want you to say no. See, some of you have not said no for a long time. Some of you, like, it's not even a part of your vocabulary. You're like, I just, I just don't say no. I just, I just go with whatever I feel. Like, if I feel it in the moment, I go with it. And listen, sometimes as Pentecostal people, we get ourselves in trouble because we just go with our feelings. We're like, I just felt it. I felt it. But yet, the way you were feeling was contrary to what God's word was saying in that moment, and you were out of order. Like, sometimes your flesh deceives you. Sometimes your flesh is like, oh, man, like, like it's saying, no, you should have this. There are desires of the flesh that you and I have to say no to. So here we go. Practice with me. Here we go. On the count of three, I want you to say that one word. I want you to say the word that's really hard for some of us to say. It's the word no. And I want you to say it like you mean it, okay? I want you to say it like like you mean it. (laughs) Couldn't even think of a moment of saying no, but just say it like you mean it. Ready? One, two, three. No. All right. Some of you did it. Some of you are like, I'm not doing it. No, I am not going to do it. No, just not. So here we go. On the count of three, ready? Let's all say it one more time. Give it a little bit of mm right there. Ready? One, two, three. No. All right, there we go. Because some of us, that's what we need to be doing. Your label, your addiction, whatever it may be, is trying to label you differently than how you were originally created. Your flesh is trying to tell you that you're this way. But you and I have to learn the art of denying our flesh on a regular basis. That's why I think fasting is such a huge piece for us. I think it's why Jesus instructs us to do it because it's a way of us saying to our flesh, no, not today. Not today. It is not happening today. You're not eating. It's not happening. You're putting your attention and focus on God. Even though your flesh literally is dying. Like, there are times where, like, we're fasting and my stomach is like, it's talking to me, you know? And I'm like, oh my goodness, I'm going to die. I got headaches, right? All this stuff's happening. I'm like, oh. And I'm like, no, no. I got to say no to my flesh. And there have been times where my flesh is saying, no, 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 you need to. But you know what eventually happens is when I say no to it, Okay, and it's almost like I've trained myself now to where fasting really isn't that big of a deal. I mean, it really, I, I know you may say whatever, Pastor Brian. I'm serious, it, it, like fasting has just become, a, it's, it's a normal part of my life, and so like a two or three day fast is, is pretty simple. Now, I'll say this, past three days, I haven't quite trained myself past that, as you can tell. <laughs> But saying no to my flesh is, is a moment where in my life I say no. No. It's like Romans six twelve says this. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body to make you obey its passions. Do not present your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness, but, it says this, but present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life. And then I love this. It says, and your members to God as instruments for righteousness. Listen, could it be that some of the very things that we're addicted to are some instruments that could be used for God? Maybe maybe there's some things like like your, your desire to spend money could be used to actually Spend it on others. Maybe to be a blessing to others. Maybe maybe there's really a heart of generosity. You, you like being able to give gifts and receive gifts. Like you, you you enjoy that. Could it be that you could use that then for the kingdom? And then it goes on to say this for sin will have no dominion over you. Since what? Since you are not under the law, but under grace. So you're not, you're not your label. It don't matter what people label you. It don't matter what people have said over your life. It doesn't matter even how you felt at different times. You're not your label. You're still what? This is still pineapple. That's still exactly what it was meant to be. But here's the thing. This is where we struggle. We struggle because what we want God to do is we want God to change our circumstances rather than God to change us. So we're constantly going to God, and this is what we're praying. We're saying, God, will you change this circumstance in my life? And God's saying, listen, it's not, I don't want to change your circumstance. Your circumstance is not the problem of the label. It's not the house you grew up in. It's not the workplace you go to, the life you have to live. It is not your circumstances that has got you to believe this piece of being labeled differently. No, 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 no. It is the fact that you need to be going to the Lord and saying, God, change me. Stop praying about him changing your circumstances and start asking him to change you. God, change me. Most of our prayers that we offer to the Lord and I've seen it in my own life, I've seen it in other people's lives, is most of the time we go to God and we say, God, would you change this about my circumstances? And God many times is looking down and going, it is not your circumstances, Brian, it is you. But God, if you would just change Kasha. Because Kasha has this problem and this and this and this, and God's like, no, no, Brian, it is not Kasha that needs to change, it's you. Well, God, if you would just change the people I work with, because, you know, this and this and this, and God's like, no, 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 Brian, it's not the people you work with, it's you. Well, God, if you had just, if you had changed the circumstances of my finances, and, and then that would help me, he's like, no, 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 Brian, it has nothing to do with your finances, it has everything to do with you. It's you, it's you and me. The problem isn't anything else, it's not our circumstances, it's us. And God is looking to us and he's saying, listen, get rid of the labels. Stop believing that's who you are, stop believing those addictions, stop believing that that's a part of who you are because Galatians 5.24 20 says, says this, those who belong in Christ Jesus have crucified the sinful nature with its passions and its desires. Now think about What does crucify mean? It's dead. Those labels are gone. They, they don't exist. The, those things aren't there. They're not even to be used. They, they've been crucified. The old man is dead. You don't go back to him, he's dead. You don't go back to something that's dead and go like, please, please come back. You don't go back and play with it or anything, no. It's dead, when it's dead, it's dead. There's nothing that happens. Apart from a miracle, there's nothing that can happen. It's dead. And listen, you don't need the miracle of your sinful nature coming back to life. You need the miracle of that sinful nature staying dead. And those who belong to Christ Jesus, guess what? The old man, the sinful nature, is dead. Say that with me. Say it's dead. Say it again. It's dead. So here's here's what I'll tell you. This This is the key. What you starve dies. Come on. What you starve dies. So if it tries to be a label, just starve it. Say, I ain't giving it. You struggle with alcohol, starve it. Take the alcohol out. You struggle with spending, starve it. Cut the credit card up. You struggle with whatever it is, starve it. Because what you starve dies. What you say I ain't feeding no more dies. Problem is some of us, we're feeding things and we keep saying no I'm not addicted to it but you keep feeding it, feed it, it keeps getting stronger and stronger and the label keeps trying to say, no this is who you are, you ain't no pineapple. You applesauce. But the reality of it is, you ain't applesauce. You're a pineapple. Stop being the things that the world has tried to label you as. What you starve dies. And listen, if you won't let your past die, hear this, it won't let you live. If you don't let your past die, die it won't let you live see here, here's the thing some of you have acknowledged a label and you actually strip those labels off you're starting to become and know who you are but the problem is is the enemy the condemner the liar keeps coming in and reminding you of those other old labels And every time you keep processing through, that's who I was, that's who I was, that's who I was, the enemy keeps lying to you, and he keeps causing you to not be who God's called you to be. So say no to the flesh. Put God first, and number three, here we go. Go all in with Jesus. You, you wanna know how to get victory over an addiction in your life? Just go all in with Jesus. Just go all in. Just just, just go all in. I, I dare you. I, I double-dog dare you to go all in with Jesus. I used to say this all the time to students when I, when I was a youth pastor. I used to say, listen, until you try God out, you'll never know how good he is. Can I just challenge you, just try them out. Like, give it, give it an opportunity. I think of different people in my life who God has given me the privilege of walking alongside with and watching them walk through different steps in life. I'm telling you, they are not the same people anymore. I look at them and I go, man, they're different. You know why? Because they tried God out. They were like, I'm going to go all in with God. I'm going to go all in with Jesus. I'm gonna, like, every time the church door is open, I'm going to be in there. Is it because that will get me to heaven? No, no, no. It's just because I want to grow in my relationship with Jesus. I want to go all in. Like, I want to go all in in my life. I'm going to be involved in groups because I know that I need people around me who can help cheer me on. So, listen, if there's not a group for me, I'll create a group. I'll get a group of people together, and we'll start hanging out, and we'll just start soaping, and we'll start fellowshipping together. We'll talk about the message from the weekend, and then someone will say, that's exactly what we do in our groups, and they'll go, oh, really? Oh, that's what I decided to go all in for Jesus. Jesus. People will start making a place here at Bethany saying, so in fact, I was talking with someone last night. They said, you know what? Man, we're just having a hard time sometimes connecting. And here's what I encourage. I said, listen, just, just go in, man. Like, like set yourself up for like after Sunday morning, you could invite somebody here at church to just come over and hang out. Kasha and I used to do this. We would, Kasha would put a roast on or whatever, you know, in a crock pot, and there'd be all this yummy goody stuff in there. She'd put it in the crock pot, have it all ready to go, so that after the church, we could say, hey, you guys want to come over? And people would just come over to the house, and we'd hang out, because we were planned ahead. Because why? We wanted community with people. We were willing to go all in for Jesus. We were like, we're not going to wait for somebody else to invite. Because see, some of us, you've been waiting every week. You're like, man, I wish someone would just invite me to come out. I wish someone would just invite me to be their friend, which is a little weird. Will you be my friend? It's like, no, just be a friend to somebody, right? Isn't that how we develop friendships? You just become friends with people. You're like, dude, what are you doing afterwards? They're like, "Uh, I don't know. And you're like, dude, let's go out for lunch. And then they look at their calendar, and they go, man, I don't know. And then they talk to their wife, because that's what you have to do. And then their wife says, well, maybe we have something planned, maybe we don't. And then you go and you hang out. And what normally happens is is if someone does have something planned, Don't take it as rejection. Just say, what about next week? And if they say, I got something planned," then, and then you say, what about next week? And they say something then, third strike, you're probably out, go to somebody else. (laughs) All right, but go all in for Jesus. Go all in for Jesus. Romans 12, two says this, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out, readily recognize what he wants from you and quickly respond to it. Like fix your attention on God put your attention on him, your focus on him, and what will happen is you'll be changed from the inside out, you'll readily recognize what he wants from you, and then, so what happens is when you recognize it, then quickly respond to it. Because this is what he goes on to say, it says, unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God, God brings the best out of you. He develops well-formed maturity in you. And so if what you starve dies, then I would say this: What you feed thrives. See, what you feed thrives. See, it isn't It doesn't matter what the label is, right? Hurry up and put your stuff away, okay? Listen. This label doesn't have to be here for you to know it's pineapple. It doesn't. See, you could take the, you could take the label away the reality of it is, is you'd still say, no, that's pineapple. See, what you and I feed is what thrives in our lives. If you're feeding your identity and God, you're going all in for Jesus, you're saying no to the flesh, you're putting God first, then what will happen is, is when you put God first, when you say no to your flesh, and then you say, I'm going all in for Jesus, what happens is, is you return back to who God called and created you to be. You're not your label. Please hear me today. You're not that label. All week I was thinking about this message and I was thinking about how so many of us have bought into a different lie, a label. You're an alcoholic. You're a druggie. You're, you're compulsive. You're, you're this, you're that, like all these things. And yeah, I know circumstances have been tough, Things have happened in life that have caused you to adopt and believe some of these labels. But I'm telling you today, what you and I need to do is we need to take the labels off. And we say, no, no, there's there's no need for a label. Because I know who I am. I'm a child of the king. I've been bought. The price has been paid. My life's been changed And even when life tries to throw at me different labels, that is not who I am. And today, God wants to strip away some labels. God wants to strip away some things that you've been believing for way too long, and you've been struggling with way too long, some addictions, some strongholds. But he's saying, today's the day to set you free. I came so you could be exactly who I called you to be, my son, my daughter. So with heads bowed and eyes closed all over the room, if you would, What label have you been believing this week? What label have you been believing you've been struggling with? And today God's saying, no, 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 that's not, that's not who you are. Father, all across this room, God, many of us are struggling with labels in our lives, labels of addictions, whether personally or people we know. And Father, today we need freedom. We need freedom to be the anthem's cry of our heart. We need freedom to be exactly who you called us to be. And so Father, I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would work across this room and you would begin to speak to the hearts and lives of individual, individuals. People who have believed that they've fallen and they're hopeless. People who have believed that there's no way I could change. People have bought into, it's just one more time. God, I pray that those labels would be stripped away. And that today, God, they would put you first. That they would say no to their flesh. And Father, that they would go all in for you. But God, we recognize that we can't do it on our own. Can. We need you. So Father, I pray in these moments that you would be here with us. If today you're sitting here and you're within the sound of my voice and the Holy Spirit is speaking to you right now and he's saying, listen, you've been believing a label for too long and today I want to strip that label away strip that label out of your life, and from this day forward, you're going to be exactly who God's called you to be. You may say, can it happen like that? Yeah, it really can. In one moment, in one moment, God can strip the label that the world has tried to place on you, because it's just a label. It's not who you are. Yeah, I know it's some things you've done, but it's not who you are. So if today, if you'd say, you know what, that's me. I wanna wanna take that step today of allowing the Holy Spirit to strip the label off of my life. I'm not gonna ask you to come up front, but I am gonna ask you to acknowledge it by the raising of your hand. Today, you'd say, I have become a label that I'm no longer willing to be. I want that label torn off. I want that stronghold gone. If that's you, I just want you just to real quickly just raise your hand. I see that hand, I see that hand. There are hands going up all over the room. People who are saying, listen, I, I, I'm not that label anymore. Father, I pray God for those who have raised their hand, God. They've been bought, the price has been paid. Their freedom has been given to them. They are a son, they are a daughter of you. And so Father, I pray that today that they would walk that out, the freedom that you have given them, they'd walk that out. So Father, I pray right now they would receive that. They would receive who you say they are. They are your son, they are your daughter. If that's you right now and you raise your hand, I just, I just want you right now just to, just to say, God, would you just cleanse me? Father, would you just remove that label? Come on, you just say that to him right now. You just say, God, remove that label from my life. And then some of you, just, you just need to say, God, now now give me, help me to see my identity in you. Help me to see that, that you call me your son. You call me your daughter. God, from this moment forward, God, I believe people are gonna walk out of here and they're gonna have never, they're never again gonna have a desire for certain things because, God, they have removed the label and they've said, that's not who I am. In Holy Spirit, the miracle has taken place because you're a miracle-working God. You're a miracle-working God who in one moment can set people free from things that maybe have been a lifetime, maybe a generational thing. Maybe it's something that's been passed on from generation to generation, but today the label has been removed and God, you are setting them free. God, I thank you for all that you're doing, all that you're gonna continue to do in and through our hearts and in through our lives. God, help us as we take one step closer to you. In Jesus' name, everyone would say, amen.